0: It's never on the dog. So,
1: Duke fans, welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith. Join my co host, Raul. Got some special guests with us tonight. So, uh, happy to have on Connor O'Neill and Jordan Mann. Uh, you're probably pretty familiar with them. Host of the Big J, Little J show. Connor also writes for the Devils and Deacons Illustrated. So, we'll get their take a little bit on the season so far, talk a little bit about what happened down in Winston over the weekend. So, If you were one of the fortunate few who weren't paying attention, uh, the Blue Devils fall in Winston, uh, 83-79. Pretty good game from Flip, had 17. Roach, Mr. Solid, it seems like he's got that 16-point stat line just kind of bookmarked um, at this point. Had some double figures from McCain and Proctor as well. Fellas, before we kind of just jump into it, I'll just toss it to y'all if you want to kind of just introduce yourself and just kind of give us your brief little synopsis on where where Duke is right now. We're sitting at 21 and 6, I think 12 and 4. Um, so what what's been kind of your your global takes of the season so far?
2: So I I kind of went into this three-game road stand or road swing saying that I needed to see what duke was made of in three tough road environments um three three places where duke had lost the previous time they'd been there um and they played they they got the jared mccain explosion they obviously played lights out at miami and I, i'm i'm not going to say that because they went two and one and not three and oh, that it wasn't a successful road trip because i think it was i think they accounted themselves and acquitted themselves well at wake forest uh it's a tough place to win like they're the only undefeated team at home this year in the ACC right now. Um I I think that this is a Duke team that is not a, you know, front runner for a final four berth, but I I don't think a final four berth is quite as far off base as I would have told you it was even like 2 weeks ago. Even, you know, uh, coming out of the Carolina game the way they played in that game, I I, I kind of took the those home games against bc and notre dame as uh i think those were the two right yeah. bc and somebody in there those were just games that duke can roll out anybody and and out talent those teams so i i am a little bit more encouraged despite the
0: loss um on, on this team's ceiling yeah to go off of that wake forest is a legit team like connor i talked about it extensively on our podcast that Wake's legit, Hunter solace is legit and it was honestly it was high level march madness basketball that was taking place in Winston-Salem. It wasn't and just a normal ACC game. Like that was two teams that were just going blow for blow and every time Wake looked like they're going to bury Duke, Duke responded well. Like uh yeah. seemed like when Shire went zone that one possession they hit that corner 3 Looked like Duke's on the rope. Shire calls that impressive out of timeout play from McCain. McCain hits a three right back and Duke's down one again. It's just like yeah. Duke's going punch for punch on the road, and that's all you can ask for. And I know we're gonna get into the final two minutes, but I really was very proud of Duke's effort. And though it was a loss, sometimes you just gotta look past the wins and losses and just really dissect the game as a whole. And I thought Duke played toe to toe at a really a really hostile environment. And they were two point underdogs.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I predicted a loss on our podcast on our preview. And, and really, it goes back to before we played the first Wake Forest game. I was just saying, I, I just think we split with these guys, right? Like, I think they're good. Um, and maybe it says more of just about how I feel about Forbes. You know, I'm really high on what he does as a coach. I think he's very progressive. I think he's very modern. Um, and I would totally be OK if we would hire him in the offseason to portal scout for us, because it seems like he just goes and gets like one of the best, the best guard, guards yeah. every single year. Yeah, it's gonna
2: be it's gonna be three straight years that they have a first team All ACC guard.
3: Yep, out, Did you of, transfer out of the
2: <laughs> out of the portal. Yeah, yeah. Solondes Williams, Ty Appleby, and Hunter. Now, Solace. I don't yeah. I don't know how anybody can watch, not just uh, not just Saturday, but what that guy's done all year. Like coming from four and a half points a game over two years at Gonzaga to I think he's probably around 19 points a game now.
3: Yeah, amazing efficiency too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Across the board, can do it at all three levels. When we had Geisinger on, I even said that, like, if RJ Davis didn't have that, like, early initial explosion, maybe Silas is getting a lot of, like, ACC Player of the Year looks, right? A lot of votes. Um, You know, I mean, they're good. They're good. So I don't think there's really anything too negative to take away from that. Obviously, we'll get to kind of the end when maybe there's some lingering um, concerns here a little bit. But we've talked about him right here off the gate. Let's just jump in little frustrating here now one hunter's great and good offense always beats good defense really right it's just one of those things um but i am curious what did y'all make of the game plan in terms of like how we guarded him how we looked to contain him i mean there was a segment there at the beginning of the second half where we just like i mean if there's one guy you're keying in on it should be him and we just we lost him and he just buried us like three straight times i think he had like three straight threes there um y'all make of that anything in terms of schematics in terms of the game plan coming in you think maybe we just had a mental lapse on the floor how do you let that guy get that loose
2: to me it was wake put andrew carr in the post and knew that they would double down and that opened the floor and wake doesn't have a high assist rate but they do move the ball well and they move the ball well out of there into open shots and when you're getting open shots and when and when that guy is the one that's getting them uh that's a bad recipe for duke and a good recipe for wake and i think after that uh i think there was an adjustment i think mark mitchell played better at denying the post and and really moving car off the block uh and, and wake had to go elsewhere to get their stuff get their get their shots but kind of once they're in rhythm, I mean, I've seen it a few times this year. Once they're in rhythm offensively, it's really hard to
0: get them out of it.
1: Clearly. Right. I mean, we struggled. Go ahead, Jordan. Yeah,
0: I to say to go off of that, like Duke has had success and I've been an advocate for Duke uh, trapping the post like they when they've trapped UNC Baycott, it was thrown out to Cadeau. Cadeau was one of nine. But Cadeau and Silas are <laughs> two different guards. So when it was Silas getting these open looks, I'm like, OK, what's going on? And clearly there was miscommunication after the traps and there was a couple of times where it looked like flip or Mitchell was going to trap with flip and then backed off but when he backed off McCain was already on Mark Mitchell's guy in the post and that's how the skips were happening in the corner to Solace and Solace hit a dagger in the corner and then Shire called that timeout too and uh that happened and also Solace hit a couple just tough ones in the lane yeah Proctor. I clipped one where Proctor's in him, and then He puts his shoulder into Proctor, and Proctor still has his hands up, and Proctor's 6'5 with his hands up, and he just shoots over top, and has nothing but the net. But he's so talented. Once you give him a rhythm shot like that, I mean, 11 of 13, and a handful of those, just like, that's a pro move. I mean, the one against Flip, one-on-one, where he spins Flip around in the first half and should have a four-point play. I mean, he's just, he's a pro.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was doing stuff like – I'm sitting there yelling at my TV, like begging the ref to maybe throw me a bone and like call the shove, right? Cause if you're if not, we have no chance. Okay. Like if he's gonna be able to create that space. And I don't think that's I'm not saying that's a foul, right? Like you're playing ball, but they could call it. Um okay. you're not getting that call on Winston, though, for sure. Um, but when that's, that's going on, I mean, yeah, you're not getting and then we they we were getting in some foul trouble too, which I think you know, Mark hits three and they just start like going at the car, like you mentioned, Connor. And it was like he was shooting over him, or he wasn't really trying to, try to pick up number four. Um, Flip obviously had a little bit of foul trouble too. I think Ryan Young had what five thousand eight minutes, eleven minutes. So yeah. A little, I mean, it, it evened up across kinda, you know. I think we had 20, they had 12. Um I don't really want to make it too much about the refs because I did think it was just a high-level basketball game for the most part. Like, it was fun to watch. Um, Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, to go off of that, there was a stint in the second half where the refs just started calling uh, fouls on Duke hard hedging. That's when Ryan Young picked up his fourth and fifth, Mark Mitchell picked up one, and Flip picked up his fourth, which is why Shire did go to that zone that I talked about earlier. It's because all of a sudden, the officials were like, you can't hard hedge these guards. And if you're not letting Duke hard hedge the guards and calling nitpick fouls, they're going to go to the line, so Shire had to adjust, and that was frustrating because it seemed like a really good physical basketball game, like old-fashioned, and for about three minutes there, Duke just could not get a favorable whistle or a non-call on a hedge.
1: Yeah, because Wake likes to blitz those ball screens too, right? Like, they like to come out and and really kind of make you do something with it. Um, Yeah, that definitely impacted the game, I think, you know? And not that it... Not that it really kind of like dictated it but it certainly changed how we had to play and of course you mentioned going zone and i think hildreth hits a three for his first one in like three weeks or whatever it was and he's right? got a like,
2: he's got a screwed up wrist like that's the guy that you want to make into elliot Cadeau, yeah. yeah. and
1: bears you know, one you, on you
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
3: what do you yeah. gotta do i you mean know?
2: And, and that's that's just sometimes what happens in high level games
3: yeah the way they were calling the hedges was frustrating because. Duke has kind of moved to a more aggressive defense um, lately, you know, coming out farther and farther. And it's actually been paying off in recent games. So it kind of disrupted what we've been doing so well, I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We had been switching well. We had been really like, I mean, I think I had talked about it even on Twitter or maybe we talked about it here where in the Miami game, Ryan's like hard hedging out to half court to deny the ball screen, hauls it back to deny the post. And this time it's like if he even touched anyone, it was an automatic whistle. Um, which, you know, I, I think this game could have been played in like the upper 80s or maybe even 90s. It could have been one of those like throwback kind of like 90s um style games where you really just get up and go. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think you, you take a loss so like we've already mentioned here. They're undefeated at home. They're good. They're 19th on Ken Palm. They were 21st before they beat it. So it's not like they took this huge bump. Um, I thought it was kind of ridiculous that they were just like, not even in the tournament somehow, like before (laughs) this game, despite having like a top 25 offense and defense for most of the year, maybe the non-con isn't exactly as strong as you would want it to be Connor, you might could speak a little bit more to that. Maybe they should, especially with the way the conference is now, you almost have to try to pick up a few marquee games because there's not a ton in the ACC, but
2: yeah, their, their issue. And, and I... It gets interesting. Like I, I put this out on Twitter last night, and uh, I, I respect Mike D'Antoni a lot. So he kind of, he kind of showed me the light a little bit. But Wake was missing Efton Reed for their first seven games, and they lost games to Georgia, LSU, and um, Utah. Yeah. Uh, and you look at what they are now compared to what they were without Efton. It's a completely different team. He changes everything about them, and. You only have to look at the Duke games to see that because the game in Durham, he had five thousand fifteen minutes. He was mm-hmm. plus six, and Wake loses by eight. The game in Winston, he plays thirty three minutes. He's plus sixteen. So when he's not on the court, Duke wins the game by twelve. Yeah. Uh, but that's only seven minutes. Like the the <laughs> seven minutes he was not on the court, Duke was up twelve. So I kind of that's that's one of the frustrating things where it's like it's almost as if Wake was good enough to put themselves in the conversation without having to have people talk about missing Efton Reed for those games. That it just kind of got shoved to the back burner, and it is okay. Well, we're going to act like it's a non-factor. Um, and the point that Tucorsey made was, missing players in the in the beginning of the season or injured players it doesn't affect the committee selection process. Like it can affect your seed line. I guess I get that. And the example you used is like last year with Rutgers and Mawat Mag, I think was the guy that they lost toward the end of the year. Uh, They still got in. They still were, they were maybe a 10 seed last year, Um, something like that. But, but it was, it's interesting. Like to me, um, if they have Efton Reed for the first seven games, they're not losing at Georgia. They're not losing to LSU. And they're probably, I, I would, I would hazard to guess. They might beat Utah. And if they beat Utah, instead of having that middle game in Charleston be against Towson, it's against Houston. Right. That's huge. You can can lose that game by 20 and your net still gets a boost from playing Houston.
1: Yeah. That's huge. That's a big point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're non conference. And, and the other thing, like it's, it's an entire discussion on its own, probably about what Steve has had to do with their non conference. Um, I mean, two years ago, they were a tournament team and they got left out because their non-conference was terrible and because of the ACC's perception. Like, that was – they had 23 wins on Selection Sunday, but because they lost in the first round – in their first game of the ACC tournament to a really bad BC team and because they played next to nobody in the non-conference, they had a, a reason to leave them out. Yeah. And uh, I, I just – like – They've they've spent the last two years trying to boost their non-con, and that's why they had a home and home with Rutgers. That's why they had one against Georgia, and that's why they're in the in the marquee events like they were in Charleston. Next year they're going to be in Orlando, like they're trying to they're trying to work themselves back into the conversation. But like, like I've I've had this conversation with Steve too. You can't just go out and schedule. Uh, yourself into the champions classic and and you can't schedule uh gonzaga on a neutral court in vegas like you kind of have to work your way into the national pur- purview um yeah. and, and they're they're working their way back toward that and yesterday was a really big step toward putting themselves back on the national skate national stage
1: yeah yeah it's tough to do that because a lot of A lot of schools if you are a duke a kentucky a houston now if we're playing in a tournament that's one thing but if not you're asking yourself "Well, what's the value for me scheduling wake there's no true benefit for me if i win but i could lose that game like it's a game where i could theoretically lose and you know i've kind of ran it a little bit about houston just in terms of how smart they are in scheduling like when you look at their schedule like the quad one games that they typically schedule are like kind of near the bottom, but they're flirting right there, right? They're not really playing top fives, but they like to sneak right on the bottom. They like their quad twos to be, and then they're going to go all quad four. Like we're not yeah. really flirting with these these teams in the 70s and 80s that could theoretically beat us unless that's going to be a quad one game. Um, brilliant, but... Frustrating for someone like me sitting here looking at dude's net raking. Um, but either way, I digress. Right? Well, yeah, we'll you'd know.
3: like you'd like to see the committee, uh, you know, take those early injuries into account. I mean, otherwise, what's the point of having a human committee? Like, why not just do it by computers at that point?
2: Right, right. Uh, I mean, you'd, you'd think so. Uh, that's, that's where both coaches yesterday were frustrated by the fact that, you know, part of Part of the discussion about which teams get into the field is about the metrics of it and the net and the Ken Palm and all that. And then another part of it is, you know, they'll talk about the eye test. They'll talk about um, their, their strength of schedule as if you, you have control over what teams that you play in November do for the next three or four months. Right. right. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's a frustrating thing. Like the ACC coaches, um, they're very much frustrated by the
0: process. Connor, to go off that too about Efton Reed, the one thing for to go on your side of the argument that's frustrating is, yes, obviously Duke was out Proctor and Mitchell and they lost to Pittsburgh, but that just happens. But with Efton Reed's case, the NCAA was like he's ineligible. That's where I think it's different because he had no other choice. He wasn't hurt. He, they just were like, yeah. hold on, he's ineligible for the first seven games, and then they overruled it. Then he became eligible. That's where I think it's the case for Wake Forest that they couldn't help that he wasn't playing.
2: And there was at least – What they've told us, uh, there's no new information that Wake presented in December that the NCAA didn't have before the season started. Mm. It was just they dragged their feet and dragged their feet and kicked the can down the road and had so many of those appeals that it was just until between the Florida and Rutgers games when they finally said, okay, yeah, this guy can play. He's got the circumstances that meet the requirement, and then – you know it was within 10 days was the west Virginia court ruling that made every two-time transfer eligible to play and and open the floodgates there
1: yeah yeah so you know maybe they'll look at that they say they don't look at it but man you know as part of state, right? I know that's a different sport, but it's kind of like, eh, it's hard to rule those things out a little bit, right? Because there are humans doing it until they put a true computer or like AI up there that's really just like crunching all of this stuff. Um, we've talked about it too. We had a great point about like nitpicking, you know, the difference between beating the 30th team and the 31st team, like on a linear scale is so microscopic, but it's huge in terms of like the quad metric system that it I don't know you know it it gets a little bit out there um but in, anyway we, we can bring it back here yeah. i guess more things under under our scope um quickly we, we talked about it a little bit we talked about how high level of the game it was um did you look at this game and this is going to kind of segue us a little bit did you look at the game where wake won it or duke lost it
2: i thought wake went out and won it more than duke lost it um at the same time you can't escape the feeling of was it Back to back possessions Jeremy Roach had turnovers there in the last minute or two uh, yeah. and then Duke still winds up with a chance to tire take the lead with five seconds left and Tyrese Proctor throws it it. I only had the one view of it. Um, my my replay my post-game replay review was was con- kind of constrained to one thing and one thing only so I didn't look at the play where Proctor threw it out of bounds. I don't know if he threw it between Mitchell and flip or if it was to flip when he was cutting and
1: It looked like maybe he was trying to hit flip, you know, like in stride, but it was too late and he threw it behind him. Right. And like flips going for, you know, I I think personally, if if you got the ball and you're not going to like press up the floor because he it looked like he had like awareness of time and space and how much time he had. Like, I thought we were about to get this just like. In my head and I'm watching it and I'm thinking like, oh, Proctor's just going to try to just walk into a three year. Like he's just going to dribble yeah. up. And if he's got if he's got Jared or Jeremy just over there. But if not, like and I'm all for that to me on the road down to go for the dagger, bro. Just go for it. Right. Pull up. You're not going to get the call like you did at Clemson. right. You're or against Clemson. You're not getting that. Um, just just go there. And I was kind of hoping that Flip might come and set a screen for him a little bit, you know, and just let him come off and fire it again i think the bigger conversation here though is this has kind of been a little bit of a trend for this group if going back to last year too right and these late game situations um there's been some criticism some of it fair some of it maybe a little unfair about just the the clutch time performance the turnovers to me it's another game where we don't even get a shot off and that's the that's the piece, right? You miss the shot, you miss the shot, but not getting a shot off is kind of brutal. I think we had one earlier in the year where Ryan Young's throwing a Wagner or a heel Wagner type pass doesn't even get a shot off mm-hmm. in that situation too. That puts us at 2-5 on the season in close games. Y'all boys taking anything from that? Are you looking at that in any sort of way? Any, you know, getting conspiracy theory here? Or is it like, hey, it's a 50-50 situation anyway. Maybe you don't even make it if you do get one up.
0: So, I mean, that is two and five is like you're like well duke's not good in close games so my counterpoint to that as a charlotte hornets fan is before the trade deadline they were four and one in close games so <laughs> i don't know if that right. means you're not in basketball it's just it's such a, a small sample yeah. yeah so and i'll to go back to your first question i think wake did win it more than duke lost it because i i don't know what happened in the wake side but whoever threw that lob to efton reed under like 30 seconds left i thought Ford was going to pass out and have a heart attack <laughs> When Salas threw that lob and it goes off the backboard, I'm like, what the hell just happened? And then Flip hits the three. I don't want to be – I would not want to be a fly on that wall of the timeout when Forbes is back in that huddle. So I would still give it to Wake that they wanted.
2: See, that's just it's, – it's kind of a double-edged sword of what Steve does. He gives people. He gives his players confidence. That is the one thing he will tell you he does. He gives his players confidence and he gives them freedom. And sometimes they have too much freedom and sometimes they think that – Instead of dribbling the ball around and getting fouled, they need to go for the kill shot and the, <laughs> the exclamation point. And uh, you you saw where it can go wrong. Yeah. Um, if if it goes right, like the roof comes off the building. Sure. You just, yeah. It just Exclamation it's an incredible point moment right. for yeah. everybody. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those uh, throwbacks to the Chappelle show, like when keeping it real goes wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I guess, what gave me a little bit more of like, oh, like we're going to do this, right? Because just the way sports work, you let a team get too many chances on you, man. Like we had no business. It almost kind of reminds me, not that it's any real similarity, but you go back to that 2012 Duke Carolina game, right? Like Carolina could have taken shot clock violations four straight times and just won the game and just won the game. But instead, they're like, we're still going to press and Harrison Barnes is going to charge with 18 seconds on the shot clock and then we're (laughs) going to throw the ball. Like, and so you give a, a chance and then something crazy happens. And so you mentioned that he throws the ball, board off, flip hits the shot. Mark has what I thought might've been one of just the like, peak peak defensive plays of the year. I mean, that was like, if we won that game, I would probably just loop that because <laughs> he was just denying, 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 made it where he couldn't foul, but he couldn't catch. I nowhere to go with it. You get the ball and you almost think like, Oh, we're about to just come in and steal this thing. Um, and and I guess that makes it a, a bit more frustrating, right? Where you're like, oh, you don't you don't get one off. Kind of like last year, I think derek had the one where he like dribbles it off the back of his like ankle or heel or something, and you don't get the shot off there. Who knows what would have happened? Would have definitely liked to get the shot there. But I agree, you know, these the sample size is small. And if you want to flip that around, um, one thing that I said coming into this year that I wanted to see year two is I'm trying to get blown out, right? Like that's just not what we do historically. Um, Now, Kay was good for about one a year, like he was good for about a 20, 30 piece once a year, right? Like it it typically happened. We got, we got handled a couple of times last year. I mean, you know, we got handled a few times. Um, This year, zero times. Carolina beat us by nine. That was it. Every single one of these other games were right there with a chance to win. Um, Should have beat Arizona, right? Had the ball and then slapped the floor, give up an N1 and there Hmm. it goes um that was you know, a, a different situation georgia tech we're right there again right mark mitchell yep. gets the technical you lose that arkansas they they just beat us you know we we were in the game but they beat us um pittsburgh you're down two you, you have a chance to win that carolina was the only one that really really got away but that was still kind of late where it kind of you know ballooned a little bit on us but um so <laughs> You know there's no you know whatever this we're not getting flowers for taking an l here but i think there's something to say for not getting blown out
0: yeah and i will say that for the proctor thing like it does suck that he turned it over it was a weird the whole thing was weird because for him to be in the middle of the floor the middle of fours where supposed to have the most space but everybody else for duke seemed to be around him where wake force guys were around him to make him hesitate to kick it to flip it wasn't like he had all this room to go downhill it was just clogged up. Duke had no timeouts. He freaked out like a 19-year-old would on the road and, or 20, however old he is, and threw it away. And I would love – if we could have it back, I would love if he just finds Roach. I wish Duke would just go find Roach with 10 seconds or less, no timeouts. You are the senior captain. You are the most clutch player on the team regardless of the two turnovers. You dictate if we get a bucket or not. That's yeah. what I'd like to see. And I, I use this as an example – and I know it's obviously an exaggeration at some extent, but Grant Hill credits his bad pass at Wake Forest for his correct pass against Kentucky yeah. to beat Kentucky in the Final Four because he knew he made the mistake that slipped off his hands and curved out of bounds. That's how he hit it to Leighton against Kentucky. Not saying Proctor's going to do that and just going to win national championship, but Proctor's going to be better for it in March, whether it's the ACC tournament or March Madness, where minute or less, I trust him to not freak out next time.
1: And that's a great point too, of like maybe get out of his way right mm-hmm. like mark and flip like what are what are y'all doing really yeah you know? I, I think like, that was
3: a frustrating thing is like we didn't seem to have a plan there you know yeah. it's like you should just instinctively have something for an end of game scenario like that that involves good spacing right because you just had yeah, the opportunity to
1: yeah and and like what was it like two weeks ago bro, when we were watching like it ran into our game it was the louisville syracuse game and like louisville yeah, yeah. hits a three but like it's and like they just don't think back. that they were going to because they had no yeah. idea what to do. And it just comes right back down.
3: And I called that poor coaching, right? And it's like, I, you know, I, I'm not, I think Shire's been great overall, but like there's been some stuff like that where it, you, the, the inexperience shows.
2: The, to so use the weak side of this. I mean, a week ago at this time, there were Wake fans that thought Steve Forbes was the dumbest coach on the planet and Wake needed to fire him. It's <laughs> like the vocal minority, not the not the majority of Wake. It's, it's very much a minority, but because at Virginia, they're down two and they're bringing the ball up the court and Cam Hildreth just decides to take the ball himself and takes the ball down and tries to, the, the guy with the screwed up wrist tries to shoot a 18-foot fadeaway on the baseline against Ryan Dunn. Like that's the lowest of low percentage shots you can want in that scenario. Forbes comes into the post game and and straight up says that was not cams ball to bring up the floor. Like Mm -hmm. we've, we've run that play in practice. Cam has never taken the ball during that play. That's Hunter's play to come up, get a ball screen, either kick it or hit the roller or take it himself. And the play works like they ran the play. I think at Pitt was the other time they've run it and it worked to perfection. And Hunter Salas got a dunk, but, you sometimes know, you go it, rogue,
1: it, right? Sometimes you go rogue. Sometimes man. you go
2: rogue. And sometimes, man, they're they're 20-year-old kids. Like
1: Yeah. And if he it's, hits it's, the shot, no one cares and it never gets <laughs> mentioned. And it's like, exactly. oh, great shot, right? Like the gene bank shot. Like he was like, Nope. Like me and Kennard looked at each other like I'm taking that shot. Right. And it comes yeah. to him, he pulls up, he hits the shot. Kay's hands are in the air. No one cares. But when this happens, I think it gets a little, you know, you start to question it. Bro, go ahead. You can jump in. No, I was just
3: gonna say, and you're in a hostile arena and it's super loud and there's a lot of pressure and stuff like that you know all that factors in I think
0: that that and I was going to say too that I will bet I will bet that Shire has it on his practice plan this week that they're going to go through a minute the last minute of a game situation yeah. for just to keep just be prepared having your back pocket because UNC's coming to town soon. It's gonna come down on the wire. This is not gonna happen again. They are gonna get a shot off. Just I hope it's not a Mark Mitchell three as <laughs> <It's laughs> anything. But anything else is good.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and even maybe recently, maybe we want the Mark. Three, right? If <laughs> it's the yeah. top of the key, let the him of the shoot key yeah. It. Yeah. That's and it's true. wide open. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let, let kill him take kill it. Killing um, the
2: guy that's like seven for his last thirteen. I know. <laughs> he shooting like forty six percent from three in conference. It's play. like
1: leading they the country since four. January fourth or something crazy, right? <laughs> on like the minimal crazy. amount of attempts that you can have. But I mean Marksman
0: Mitchell. Yeah.
1: Um, well, even Virginia, you know, you mentioned Carolina come, but Virginia's going to come down here and they're every, well, for them, not so much this year, but historically every game that they play is within like two possessions, right? Like regardless, because of the pace and style, um, you're going to be able to need to make some, some big shots. And we've really dominated them primarily under K because of this ability to just like, I'm going to take my best player and I'm going to run something and put him on an island against Kyle Guy or whoever you want to throw out here. And I don't care what your team defense can do because you're not going to stop Jason Tatum. You're not going to stop whoever else, right? Like, we're just going to put this guy out here. That's not really how John coaches or how John plays. Um, I don't think that's a, a bad thing. It's Kind of a little bit of a better product to watch at times when the ball is kind of moving and everything else. But
3: it's also a personnel thing, right?
1: Yeah. Outside of Jeremy, you don't really have a guy that you can say, put him on an Island, go get me a bucket. Um, and it's a little easier for a Tatum at six, eight, six, nine to do that. than Roach at like six, one, six, two, we'll say six, three. Yeah. Yeah. Let's,
2: um, let's say six.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. yeah every time I see my meaty day, it's like, man, you're, you, you might have an inch or two on me, bro, but it's not much, man. It's, and then maybe if I was wearing the, the coves or the bronze or something, I would, I'd be up there with you, but.
2: He did get up on one re one, uh one take to the basket yesterday in the second half. He was up at the rim and uh me one. and me and uh Josh Graham's producer Will Dalton were were sitting next to each other. He leaned over to me. And was like, "Man, Jeremy got up for that one." And I was like, "Yeah, man. I mean, he was a hell of an athlete, and then he blew out his knee in high school, and he's and kind of been this a, year. Yeah,
0: it's, it's been a slow drip for him to get back to that. But yeah, he's an explosive athlete." Yeah, he is. All I was going to say about Shire real quick was he does really good job of, like, his X's and O's. When a guy has a hot hand, he's going to keep feeding him somehow. He's going to keep giving him looks. And that's pr- that's pretty special to see because some coaches, even if a guy has a hot hand, he still wants to run his sets to where the team scores. He'll go out yeah. of his way to get McCain more looks if he's hot, Roach and pick and rolls. And so that's what I love most about Shire, though they don't have, like, the guy. like, obviously, like a Zion mm-hmm. or uh, Jason Tatum.
3: Right, you have to run this off, yeah, versus giving it to him. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say to your point, uh, the Michigan State game earlier in the year with Foster. Foster was by no means our go-to player, and, uh, you know, Shire just empowered him to take as many shots as he wanted in that game.
1: Yep, Yep. let him go, let him eat. Um, And we've done that kind of all year with Proctor and Foster in terms of, like, who closes the games, who's kind of got that hot, steady hand late. Um, Both have had moments, right? Both They're both younger guys, too, so it's been a little bit up and down. Um, and I think that's part of why I thought Proctor was just going to take that walk up three, just to see if you can kind of just get a good look top of the key. I mean, he was great yesterday offensively. We, We could get into the defense a little bit if we want, but I mean, I thought for the most part, these last two games that he's had back from injury have been really strong, almost like the Proctor that we thought we might would see all year consistently. Um, if we get that, then. You know, I don't think this loss is anything more than just a, a mid-February, late-February loss, and you just kind of take it and roll. I mean.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And the injury that he had, I mean, it's concussion. Like, you know, at the end of the day, like, that still messes with you mentally. Like, they're followed they're by the ankle,
1: things. right? Or, like, yeah. prior to the ankle, yeah.
0: Connor knows it. Connor knows this. Connor and I have known each other forever. But I had three concussions playing college basketball. So I know everything about, like, what comes with it and the travel and everything he has to go through. For him to come to Wake Force a hostile environment where – lights and noise are like <laughs> sensitive to you, even if when you're out of the concussion protocol. He had 14 points off the bench and probably shot the best he shot all year, just efficiency wise. Every time he shot it's like that's good. And yeah. so for him to be down the stretch, that's where I also have sympathy for him is he did just come off a concussion where maybe he just rushed it because he just wasn't all there. I'm not saying he wasn't, but you know, just weird things happen when you're rushed like that. And he threw it out of bounds to flip and move on from it. It gets better for it.
1: From it and maybe that was the play right or maybe it is like we want to get the ball to flip and then make something happen but then you don't have a lot of time left right so you're like oh let me go ahead and get it over to him versus feeling not that he wasn't feeling empowered by john right. but you're, you're coming off the injury right it's your second game back maybe the plan is like hey get it to flip everyone space out try right. to find a, a guy for a three there because that's what we were carving them up on it's just rinse and repeat put flip on the left block do some movement you're hoping to get a right wing three out of it for the most part right like that's been a money play for us um maybe i I don't know i mean we can nitpick it to death i guess if you went back and you know had time to to redo it would like to see maybe mark set that little flare screen for, for flip to just slide out and then take it but you know time being what it was, um, it is what it is. But I thought for the most part, he had a great game overall.
0: I, I was going to say, honestly, the one play I have, I have more of an issue with Flip at the end of the first half than I do with Proctor at the end of the game because he shot that three that was forced with five seconds left. It's an air ball and it goes down. I know Jalen Blakes was the one to foul at half court, but if you just wait two more seconds or three more seconds with the ball hits the rim, they're not getting those free throws at the end of the half. And that's yep. just poor execution on Flip's part being – the guy that he should be for Duke. So I'm more disappointed in that than I really am Proctor at the final moments of the game.
1: Yeah, and that comes back to bite you, right? Like every right. I know clutch time is like the thing, but like every possession has equal weight across the 40 minutes. So it's these little things comes back and, and there it is right there. Yeah, that that air ball was uh, not ideal. I know the reason why Proctor could have shot it right Not Flip's not really been shooting the ball that well from three over the last few games, one for six against Flake. So um you know maybe there's no reason to to beat a dead horse too much here but let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and jump into some of this controversy all right fellas so we've buried the lead long enough right everyone's seen it now on their timelines i've had people tell me about how bad flip up is as a person and how all of this stuff is you've probably all been inundated with this over and over and over let's talk about it time Semi expires, not really, right? I think there's 0.2, 0.1 left when the floodgates open. Um, Flips kind of caught there right at the top of the key, looking back, turns around, gets mobbed by the Wake Forest fans, gets hit in the back on one, collides with another one here. We've seen Gary Parish go on a pretty epic rant about it. Fran Fischel has talked about it. I'll just toss it to y'all. Is it time to end court storming or was just just a failure from Wake to say, hey, we gotta get the guys off the court first?
2: I think it was a failure from Wake. I think I think the procedures could have and and were in place to be better. Uh I've I've heard from people that are involved in those meetings that their plan is to section off the bench area, like get the visitors down the bench it, at Wake. It's probably one of the easiest uh trips from visiting bench to locker room because the tunnel is literally right there behind the visitor's bench. It should have been handled better. Uh John Curry's statement said that Steve Forbes didn't address that specifically, but Steve Forbes is even out there saying yesterday that he does not like port stormings. He feels like it's, you know, you're, you're just, it's not a safe environment. And, um, I, I don't think we need to end co- all court stormings. Like, I i don't think I've ever been a part of, I'm, I don't think I have ever was a part of one. I went to Elon, so it's not like we had ever had a game with 20,000 people that wanted to rush a field or a court. Or but look, they're college kids. They want to be, they want to have fun. Also, I, I think it's ridiculous to ever ask the arena security guard who picked up an extra shift so he can make an extra 60 bucks on the weekend to, hey, by the way, you've got to stop uh three thousand kids from trying to go where they want to go and by the way they're going to be drunk and and you can see it building for the, like
1: three and a half minutes before it happens right you yeah. see it just continue to build yeah i mean yeah it, it, i mean
2: that they had look they had lathered themselves up for this game for three days and yeah. and probably for longer than that like this was a long time building and a long time coming there was no su- there was no scenario where wake wins that game and it's not a court rush. Yeah. Like even if, even if wake was a 10 point favorite in this game, they're rushing the court. If they win, even if, you know, even if they win by 20, they're rushing the court. If they win, there was, there was no calculus where they didn't rush the court in a win. So it was a lack of preparation and it was a lack of execution on whatever the plan was. And it failed. And, And I think that's, that's where the problem is. The problem is not with all of court storming needs to end. Um, that's that's not
0: where I land on it. I'm I'm in the same boat. I don't think court storming needs to end necessarily, but something needs to be done because, like in football, you have the sheriffs just wrapped up behind beside the head coaches every time they go meet a midfield of after every game, and then in basketball, it's probably where you need them the most. It's just hey. We're in 94 feet. This is a hundred yard field. Never really adds up to me. Like how basketball courts just it's every man for themselves and people that keep bashing flip. Like you said, it's point two, point three seconds left. And also they're telling him he needs to run off the court. If a seven foot, 250 pound guy is running and here comes 300 drunk guys running this way, it's going to be way worse than knee to knee. Somebody's yeah. going to get really hurt because this guy's trying to sprint to the locker room that you want him to do. Instead, he's walking at his pace and he collides. Him and that one guy collide. You can say whatever you want. Everybody has opinions about who who initiated the contact. But the second guy swiping for flip behind him had evil intentions. And if flip didn't go like this, he's connecting. And that's the issue that I have is people trying to attack an individual that's not in shoulder pads like in football. Like. Those That's guys,
1: the key right there
0: yeah like yep. i i stormed the field at wallace Wade when duke beat clemson me and my brother stormed the field and but those guys if i would have ran into kate Klubnik, uh-huh. he would have knocked me out because yeah. he has yeah on his shoulder pads right
1: like, yeah no, no one's looking basketball. no one's seeking travis kelsey and pads out there being like i'm <laughs> gonna storm you bro like nobody's doing that right probably i weigh you same, by 200 pounds also right anyways. it's not <laughs> the same at all and to me yeah. like i've seen this thing like you're talking about that initiating contact to me it's and I don't have any issues with the court storm. In fact, I, I do think it's just one of those cool college just things that we have. Um, but if we want to talk about initiating contact, the moment you step on the court and you're not supposed to be on the court, you're initiating contact to me. Right. Like that's, <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. One person's supposed to be there, one person's not. And so that's and look, you turn around and you have a mob of people coming after you, and you just lost a tough game there all right on the road. Like <sighs> I, I don't know, man, I didn't think it's, he did anything malicious to begin with. But I think I if know. even if he would have to me, semi justified, if you have the mob coming at you,
2: I agree. it's a fighter, it's a fight or flight response. Like it yeah. is the most, it's the most primal instinct we have. It's fight or flight and your instinct is to protect yourself. When you see people running full speed at you,
1: you have no idea what they're going to do either. Right. Cause especially right. with the Duke on the chest, it's like, look at these dudes, DMs, look at their mentions on Twitter from the fan base. much less opposing fan bases, right? Where it's like we're public enemy number one. I have people that I've never even seen talk about college basketball on the timeline, right? On your messages, just that has an opinion on this stuff. And that's fine. You can have an opinion on it. But I think at the end of the day, we have to look at it and say, you got to get these guys off the court. And there's no good way to do it, right? If John just calls the timeout and leaves the walk-ons out there to take the drubbing like Roy did down in Tallahassee a few years ago, you get crucified for that too, right? Like there's... yeah.
2: I'd be I'd be in favor of the shot clock. I think i I can't remember. Who, I think Seth Davis said that he had a college coach text him that there should be like a twenty second shot clock. And to me that's that's the most viable solution moving forward that keeps everybody happy. Um, just put twenty seconds on a clock. And my my other theory is that we can do away with the handshake lines. like the, the, they respect each other enough. They don't have to go through the ceremonial good game, good game, good game that only leads to more problems these days. But yeah. just give them 20 seconds, they can clear out, then have all the fun you want.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that's our soapbox on that, right? We won't mm-hmm. preach on that too much here, but let's pan out, fellas. I know we're getting kind of deep in here. Um, we don't know the status of Whip and Foster right now as we're recording this. I'm assuming they probably got some MRI work or they're going to get some MRI work either today or tomorrow. Um, We'll, we'll assume for the most part that like these guys are going to be semi healthy, right? Maybe we miss a game or something like that. Maybe they, they don't suit for the Louisville game or something. But assuming that is, we have four games left three home, one away, 21 and six, 12 and four. Walk me through your thought process here. Where does Duke finish this thing?
0: Look, I think Duke's playing their best ball regardless of the loss against Wake Forest. This last week has been very encouraging and shire proved his first year at duke that duke got better throughout the year and that's you can argue that k's guys at the end of case stint, besides the final four one that they might appear like zion and them you think about their best game was game one, their first game yeah and (laughs) so like with shire and them like they looked so lost last year and they won the acc tournament and they just ran into a very physical tennessee team that was five years older than everybody on duke's roster this year duke started off slow november december I, uh, Connor knows that I think basketball season doesn't start till January. January, February is when you start really knowing your team. November December, you're filling it out. So I think Duke is hitting strides right now. And I do think Duke's going to win out. I think Duke could beat Carolina again. Carolina is really starting to show like some warts on their team. Like it's not perfect. They did beat Virginia yesterday, but Virginia, good God, if they could just have one, two, another guy that can make shots as a D1 caliber, they would be somewhat <laughs> decent because their defense is good. It's just they have no no uh they have shooters they don't have any shot makers that's a difference yeah Yeah. Yeah. how
3: many times have they scored 16 points in the first half yeah Uh,
0: too too many times (laughs) and so i think duke can win out and then just run the table again the acc tournament and then go from there really and i think i'm I'm not good with seedings i'll be honest with you because i think duke i think duke if they're a three seed i still am comfortable with them in march this duke team is just different like when k's teams were not a one seed i was always nervous but yeah. with this team as a three if they're a three seed, I don't think I'm gonna be that nervous in round one. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You're, you're obviously it's matchup dependent, right? But I think that, and I think in general that like the importance of a one seed is still there, but it's less so than it was maybe five, six, eight, nine, ten years ago, right? Parodies everywhere, it's all about those matchups. Um, okay, so so feeling like we could run the table again, it's nice to have Louisville coming in next. But uh Connor, that, that track with you, or are you still weary about a few of these?
2: i think they're finding against louisville like louisville I've, I've been banging the drum all year that they're not the same train wreck they were last year and now they look utterly hopeless i think the next three i think they drop one uh whether it's virginia stealing one whether it's at state on short rest or whether it's carolina in the last game i have no idea what to make of that nc state team i bless anybody's heart if they try to predict what that what team is going to show up for them. I do think DJ Horn is the best villain in the conference other than uh large Caleb Love, who that's that's Blake Henson in my <laughs> vernacular.
1: <laughs> um
2: DJ Horn's really good. Uh state's just a weird team to figure out. And Carolina, they're they're flawed. We we know enough about that series that we know that flaws don't exactly show up in the ways that they do against everybody else, right? They teams seem to shore things up when it when it comes to Duke Carolina. So I, I think they drop one of the next three, or one of those last three, um, probably finished second in the conference. And that means, uh, I put this up on Twitter yesterday, uh, the Ken Palm predictions have Wake Forest finishing third and Virginia finishing fourth in the ACC standings. Which would set up a rematch of my worst nightmare in the ACC tournament uh, semifinals that Friday night. I hate when I've I've grown to hate when these teams play because it's just too overwhelming trying to cover both angles of it. Mm. But uh, I do know that the the game I watched yesterday was the best game I've seen all year. Uh, I've seen a lot of basketball, and I'm inclined to say it was better than any game I saw last year too. Mm. It was just that high level of a game. And uh, it's hard to see that game and see it played out twice in the last two weeks and not think that you're going to get a rubber match in the ACC tournament. Like, that's just kind of the way the ACC tournament has worked over the years. Uh, we're going to have fewer of those with, with three more teams coming in and the the two matchups against a team per year are going to dwindle. But yeah. I, I do think we're going to get another one of those in D.C.
1: That would be fun. That would be fun to have the rubber match there to see you're right that would be a semi-final with a chance to go play maybe carolina or whoever that they end up that,
2: yeah like you know. right right now it's projected to be like the semifinals are projected to be a rematch of both games from yesterday it would be carolina and virginia as the one and four now if, if you want to tell me that virginia is not going to hold on to that spot and clemson's going to come up and get them i don't, I don't know like that could happen um sure and certainly good enough, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out in in that seed.
1: Yeah, that would be yeah. I, I wouldn't mind playing Wake again. um Would also be fine not playing Wake. You know, true because they're good, <laughs> right? And it, but it does create that high level basketball. Both coaches really kind of just freedom of movement, right? They want to play an NBA style game. Is what they want to do. They want to be able to get up and down. They want to let their guards to be able to create get into the lane. Um, lots of
3: shooting on both teams
1: lots of shooting defensively schematically there's a lot of similarity there too right so I think it just it's um they're just similar right? across the board a little bit um but if Miller plays the way that he did because we kind of neutralized him and Durham right and so he played really really strong especially early in that game that kind of you know Salas told the show for him but I thought he was really good really good
2: he's been a lot better at home than he's been on the road like I was Efton Reed being able to play 33 minutes instead of 15 and Miller being at home rather than being on the road like he's been sped up on the road and just about every road game they've played and yeah. it's it's cost them and it's resulted in him sitting on the bench for long periods of the second half. But at home, that's that's more of what Wake has gotten. So,
1: you know, I will say that I was in, not to keep getting back into that game, but I was kind of happy that we didn't let the Friedrichson kid just go off because he had been just like phenomenal at home and um, was pretty pesky even in the game in Durham for a little bit there. So um, I think we held him to he got one shot off or something like that. So you know you, yeah, you I know take he didn't that, make a three. But, yeah, and I think he's shooting fifty percent at home from three. So
3: it was really Salas and Carr that killed Duke. Um, yeah, yeah. a little bit Miller too. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like you guys uh, kind of so you got one more loss and Jordan you've got zero more losses. So. We're looking at i think three or four seed maybe for both of you
2: yeah i i guess if i think the i think the ceiling is a two seed like i don't i don't think that they can even if they went out and win in dc i don't know that that does enough to get to a one seed over yeah um whoever else is in the running for that fourth number one because i think three of them are locked up right like it's going to be purdue yukon and houston Arizona is
1: holding on for dear life at this point, right? Like
2: It's, if it's going to be Arizona, if it's going to be Kansas, if it's going to be, um, somebody from the SEC, like Tennessee.
1: Auburn, Tennessee. Yeah. Maybe they flirt with it.
2: Yeah. I just, I think there's too much there that Duke would have to overcome. Um, too many things that have to fall into place for Duke to get a one. So it's, it's a two is the ceiling. And I think a two might be gettable if you went out and win in DC. I just, I. Like I said, I don't see that happening. I see them dropping one more. And and then we'll see what happens in D.C. Because if they drop one more, that puts you all kind of on a collision course with probably Wake Forest. And and that's going to be tough.
0: Connor, do you think that Duke, if they run the table, they win out, and then they lose in the A.C. Championship game, like that's a quality loss. Like against Wake Forest, like they lost about four. If they lose to UNC by four or five, do you think they still can get Duke a two seed because say they do beat Wake Forest in the rubber match? Probably not. I think probably a three seed.
1: We have to steal Carolinas. I think to be, you know, and if they beat us and they so, yeah. unless they bump up to a one somehow, but then that probably drops two SEC teams down on the two line, right? So it's yeah. like we probably have to steal there too yeah. at this point yeah. to get it, um, which would be. Super sweet if we could do that, right? To go ahead and, and take that one from them. Cause they're still sitting there, they're really favored too on the on the rankings. And again, that's it's hard to tell, like looking at their resume. I guess I get they have the head to head over us, which maybe that's all it is at this point. So um yeah, we'll see. Three seed, four seed, somewhere in that ballpark, two to four, hopefully. Right. You're hoping really not to drop to a five. I think that would probably be something like losing to Virginia at home, maybe losing two out of those last three or something, probably even yeah. then losing on the semifinal or on Thursday.
3: To me, that would mean probably that Lip and and or Foster are out longer than yeah. we're hoping for.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. So we'll see. I think there's reason to still be optimistic. I mean, I even said the only thing that I'm like a little bit concerned about is the health stuff. But I said prior to this game, like, look, if Duke drops a game and Winston, I'm not going to feel any different than I have the last, like Jordan was saying, the last week, right? We've been playing really well. Um, it sucks because we had been trending towards healthier. <laughs> and then you get two guys now that maybe you're a little bit of, of banged up. I'm hoping that two guys just run into each other and you just get a little kind of like bone bruise on the knee there. or You just kind of just bang it a little bit. Nothing lingers. Um, but but we'll see. But. Fellas, appreciate you joining us. We'll go ahead and, and kind of get out of here real quickly. Um, before I, I run us out, though, will give you all a chance to plug anything you got going on. Tell us a little bit about the podcast. Where can people find you?
0: Yeah, so I'm on uh, Twitter at Jman's Takes. Uh, and also, Connor and I have a podcast, The Big J and Little J Show. It's also on Twitter and uh, the podcast on Apple and Spotify. We normally record every Tuesday and try and get out every Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Uh, right now, it's Duke Basketball. And then, God, coming up will be Duke football, and s- sooner than later, Connor. So that's where you can find me. And uh, I have a YouTube channel where I do Duke content as well. It's at jman underscore.
2: Yeah, Jordan loves to talk about football season before I want to even acknowledge football exists. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm at Devils Illustrated is duke.rivals.com. Uh, Deacons Illustrated, if anybody wants to venture over there, is WakeForest.rivals.com. Um, Twitter. Connor O'Neill underscore di, and that's a little bit of a double entendre there. Um, <laughs> hopefully, the bad blood will boil over, and uh, you, you won't get into any arguments with Wake fans if you if <laughs> you venture into the mentions there. Yeah, it's been a hailstorm yeah. of it for about twenty eight hours now. Mm-hmm.
1: Historically, we've had a pretty collegial relationship with Wake. I feel like to state even and Duke fans, it's like the what the enemy of an enemy as a friend or something like yeah. that, right? There's always been a little bit there. Um, so we'll, we'll see what what this does but between the two. But uh, fellas, appreciate you coming on. I know we're hanging out here kind of late, so I'll go ahead and get us out of here. Um, if you're listening, we appreciate you. Rate, review, subscribe. You can find us on the boards at thedevilsden.com. You can find us on x slash Twitter at devilsdenpod247. You can email us at thedevilsdenpod at gmail.com. Make sure to let Shu know to stop dipping out on these late Sunday pods. Too many, too many links uh, on the course there for him. So uh, keep the face strong in the Good.